Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are glad that you are here this morning. We welcome everyone, uh, especially our guests today. We're glad that you're here and uh, hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way and that you'll feel very much a part of our family together to get today. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheet on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and to fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, we would appreciate that. Uh, just check whatever box is appropriate and give us the information that you feel uh, comfortable giving to us, and we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, also, go ahead and take your phone and check in on social media and uh, let everybody know that you're here today. We, uh, it's good to be here together in the name of the Lord and, uh, and to worship together and to fellowship together. Just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, we had a great trip yesterday with our upperclassmen group. We kind of toured around uh, different places in uh, Indiana, went over to St. Minerid, and, and we were, uh, it was kind of a pilgrimage of uh, chasing um, uh, some sculptures, some statues uh, from uh, Herbert Jogerst, who was, who was a German POW uh, down at Breckenridge during the uh, uh, Second World War, and uh, it was a wonderful time and an inspirational time, and so thank you for all that uh, um, that went and participated in that. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that in a little bit a little bit later, so look for that. Beginning on Wednesday, we will not be having any Wednesday after uh, uh, activities throughout the month of Janu- January. <laughs> I long for winter. <laughs> Throughout the month of July, we will not have any activities throughout the month of July. We're going to take the uh, the month off and and resume in August. So uh, um, we'll see you at the park on Wednesday <laughs> for the fireworks. Uh, also, just look at your bulletin. We have a number of other things uh, to to keep up with uh, activities and opportunities here at Community Baptist Church. Have a full service today. Got lots going on. So let me invite you, let's stand up, let's greet each other, and let's share the love of Christ with one another. this week that we wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, it's great to be in front of you today. I, um, I had the fortunate opportunity for the last year to serve as the president of our local Rotary Club of Henderson. And each year, our thanks, Ponch, my, my fellow Rotarian there, Rick Poncho Lambert, um, each year, the Rotary Club gives out a couple of awards at the end of the year to Rotarians um, for a variety of 
accomplishments and endeavors. And so one of the awards that our club gives out every year is an award called Service Above Self. And it's given to a Rotarian who exhibits exemplary service to the community um, outside of the club, just what he or she does on their own uh, to the community. And so we presented that award on Thursday of this week, the end of our Rotary fiscal year. And, uh, and that award went to somebody that we all know in this congregation. And so there were a couple of people who found, uh, who learned that we gave that award and asked for us to, to remake that presentation this morning. So I'm honored to be here this morning and do that. Tim Hobbs was not one of the people who asked us to redo this presentation. <laughs> This year's, recipient, this year's recipient of the Service Above Self Award has only lived in Henderson for 15 years, but he has developed a lifetime of roots in this community due to his faithful service and uniquely loving spirit. Even though this award is not provided due to a Rotarian service to our own club, our recipient this year has exhibited exceptional service to this club. In addition to being a founding member of the Trivia Night Committee 11 years ago, and I'll share this, Tim's been on that committee all 11 years, and that that has now raised about $200,000, much thanks to his work. In addition to being a founding member of the Trivia Night Committee 11 years ago, he has been a faithful participant each and every year with Rotary Field Day, the Rotary Dictionary Project, Operation Warm, where we provide a couple of hundred coats every year to um, Henderson County students. Um, and he's been in a unique position for having served as the volunteer, volunteer chair for all 11 Rotary Trivia Nights. And he is even one of our own, one of our own club's past presidents approximately seven years ago. The chosen vocation for our honoree this year is truly a call to service. Our recipient has been the pastor of Community Baptist Church for the last 15 years. During this time, he has led that local congregation to become one of the most progressive faith communities in Henderson. For years under his leadership, the church hosted a robust upward basketball league. The church is also active in disaster relief causes, this year being the only local church to open a shelter for local citizens in need of a warm place to live during one of the bitterly cold snaps in our area. Finally, our honoree played a key role in the church, becoming the first home for the Henderson Boys and Girls Club, opening in just six short weeks. In addition to his service to the community and his congregation through the church, this honoree is also a very active voice statewide through his steady leadership roles with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Kentucky. And, and for the sake of brevity on Thursday, I left out about 90% of what Tim does for this congregation um, through his work here. But you, you know those endeavors um, as well as I do. Our service above self winner is a true is a truly a community servant. Even though this is, is this is his adopted hometown, he has truly made an impact in his service. This recipient has been faithful in his longtime service to Habitat for Humanity of Henderson, the Henderson Justice Coalition, the local NAACP chapter, and the Henderson Ministerial Association, where he currently serves as the treasurer. He also currently serves on the board of St. Anthony's Hospice um, alongside fellow Rotarian and Hospice Executive Director Kendra Marsh. In addition, he and fellow friends take their band to local nursing and assisted living centers occasionally to provide upbeat musical entertainment for those residents. <laughs> One of his best friends, parishioners, and fellow clergy members, Mary Rye, who may or may not have a stake in why I'm standing here in front of you right now. <laughs> One of his best friends, parishioners, and fellow clergy members, Mary Rye, said about our honoree, Tim is the perfect community servant and there's nobody better for an award called service above self we all owe him a debt of gratitude and then
then we said to the Rotarians that it was my true honor and pleasure to present this year's Service Above Self Award winner to our fellow friend and fellow Rotarian, Tim Hobbs. Thanks for allowing us to share that. Too. Big sister, Carson, 
what a wonderful family this is. We've dedicated a couple of these children in this church before, and now we have the honor of dedicating the third child of this family. And um, the dedication of a child to God is a very important and a very sacred and, and holy event. Dedication involves uh, not only a, the child itself, but and not only the, the parents, but also the extended family and, and the church as, as well. And so we rejoice with these parents because um, Robert Logan Moyt, and, and he's called Logan, right? You're going to call him Logan. He's called Logan. Um, Logan has come into your hearts and your home, and, and there, there's no gift of God that's more precious and more filled with promise than, than the coming of children into your home. Um, yet with, with these blessings, there are also tremendous responsibilities, and God has entrusted this dear little soul into your care. And his destiny will be determined to a large degree uh, by the character and the influence that you have in in his life and you provide in your home. Uh, So guard your home well in Christ. In this service of dedication, we, your, your church, are also making a commitment to you. Because we know that being a parent is not easy. Uh, sometimes it's like herding cats, isn't it? <laughs> yes, they are nice about it. But but you should you should uh, you should not feel that that you're alone in this endeavor. Uh, because we hope that the affirmation and the support that we give to you as your church family can be of great help and encouragement to you as well. And for this reason, our church places great importance on the dedication of a child to God. Uh, in a service of dedication, the church recognizes and acknowledges that we also have responsibilities to you and to your children to help you in, in shaping your child's character. And so this service of dedication reflects the love and our commitment to you and our desire to support you and to encourage you and to love you and to nurture you as parents and as and as child as well. For keeps? <laughs> Uh, just a just a little bit here. Look at this. Yeah. Look at this. This is Logan. Robert Logan Moy. I'm gonna call him Logan. They're calling him Logan. Thank you. <laughs> Logan, this is your church. This is your extended family. He's good too. He's not crying. Look at him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Hey, Grandpa. <laughs> Any cute? Don't worry, I'm bringing him back. There we go. We have our uh, dedication liturgy 
that we would like to share together. It will be up on the screen here. And it's easy for y'all. You just have to say, we do, basically. And so it's, it's, it's pretty easy. So let, uh, join with me as we, as we dedicate this child to God this, this morning and dedicate um, this family and this church to helping this family uh, in, their, in their commitment to this child. Delbert and Lauren, do you desire earnestly that Logan grows up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord? We do. As parents, do you covenant together with God to bring up Logan in nurture and admonition of the Lord and to assist him in growing as Jesus did in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and humanity? We do. Because you desire for Logan a knowledge of the scriptures and a loving, respectful attitude towards God, do you promise to use your home and the organization of the church to accomplish this task? Recognizing the responsibility that you have as a congregation towards each child, do you agree to love and to protect Logan, seeking always to manifest towards him a Christian spirit? Do you promise that by giving your time, talents, and money, you will do your part to help provide spiritual instruction and Christian training? If you accept this responsibility, will you indicate by standing if you are able? We, the church, pledge to commit ourselves to nurture these parents and this child to provide opportunities for training and growth in parenting and family enrichment and to offer them our support and our loving concern. Let us pray together. O God, our heavenly parent, we thank you for this child. He is a sign of your kingdom growing by leaps and bounds among us. And with unconditional love, we bring him into our circle of faith. Help us to tell him your story again and again and again. Help us to teach the faith and hope that he will need to live in this world. And even as we try to shelter him from storms, help us to model a kind of compassion that is not afraid to enter into the lives of others and give peace. Let us nurture all that makes him a precious gift, a son created in the image of God. And above all, as we grow alongside this child, may our dependability and faithfulness show him that he can trust your tender love now and forever. Amen. Blessings on you both. Thank you very much. Blessings. Blessings.
Let us pray. Holy and generous God, I'm so very grateful this morning, and I think I speak for all of us when I say we are grateful for you. As our God, we find peace and grace, forgiveness and love in you. I am grateful for this church, its welcoming spirit, the people who show your love in this community, the pastor who leads by example. I am grateful for teenagers who care, who spend their time serving lunch to those who are hungry. I am grateful for those you have sent my way to love me, challenge me, make me laugh, and who walk the journey with me. I am grateful to live in this country. With all our faults and shortcomings, God, I still can't imagine living any place else. And God, I can fill a book with things I am grateful for. But above all else, I am so grateful that you love me in spite of myself. So God, out of my gratitude, I will strive to use every day of my life showing you how much I love you. Amen.
The scripture today is Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from the heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. By the way, um, if this service goes long, it's Mark Tumbler's fault. <laughs> uh, but. but but thank you so much for that. I, I, I appreciate it. I really do. 
I, I want to begin. I got got a question for you this morning. Quick opinion poll. How many you, of you believe that current technology make make certain tasks easier? Okay. All right. For, I mean, most of you would agree that you would prefer a washing machine over a washboard, right? Okay. How many of you like keeping in touch with your family and friends with Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or something like that? Okay. Right. Not everybody, but, but a, good, a good amount. Uh, but how many of you also believe that we can misuse technology in ways that the inventors never even thought about? Okay, that's, we even got double hands on that one. I think you're having a religious experience there. <laughs> there, there was an article in, in Hemispheres magazine not long ago about um, that, that told about those websites out there that 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 are dedicated to helping you get online friends and followers for your social media accounts, and these companies will actually create fake usernames and pay real account holders, pay them to follow you and to like you on various social media sites. For example, on a site called social, sociallyup.com, you can buy 500 likes for, three, for $30 <laughs> or 20,000 likes for $700. <laughs> For $10, a company called Fan Me Now will find you 1,000 Twitter followers. And for $1,750, you can buy a million. Think of that, a million followers for only $1,750. So, so, and if you need to beef up your YouTube account, your YouTube views, for only $150, you can buy 30,000 views from a, from the site called 500views.com. And for $3,100, they'll make it go viral and getting and by getting you a million views. This article concluded by saying, no matter what social network you are on. You can buy your way to popularity. Hmm. It's a shame that Jesus didn't have that kind of technology in his day. In our passage for today, it seems that Jesus couldn't even buy followers for his movement at this particular time. He was very popular early on before people began to figure out that... Things were not as they appeared, or as they hoped, rather. And it seemed at this particular time, the few followers that he did have didn't have a clue as to what he was all about. In verse 51, we read that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, or uh, the, the version that we, that we had on the screen a moment ago literally translates, He set His face towards Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, of course, was the capital city of Judah, and it was the place where the religious and the political power met. They were together there. And so Jesus' disciples thought that he was headed towards Jerusalem to establish his earthly kingdom there. And they were excited. That's why they'd been following him. In fact, just before this passage, in the passage just before this, we find Jesus' disciples arguing with each other about which one of them would be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom. 
So you see, to them, Jerusalem meant power and, and status. But Jesus set His face towards Jerusalem knowing that this would be the place where He would suffer and die. The disciples simply did not understand where Jesus was leading him, leading them. And I wonder if they really would have followed if they had known. What do you mean you're going to Jerusalem to suffer and die? But Jesus was moving forward by obeying God's will and fulfilling God's plan for the salvation of humanity. And that's why this opening verse about setting his face towards Jerusalem is such an important verse of Scripture. CBS journalist Scott Paley once interviewed a man named uh, Dean Shabbat, a former neo-Nazi. Shabbat had spent years preaching hatred and violence against Jewish people and people of color, and he gloried in the idea of a race war. He planned for it. He worked towards it. And and through the intervention of another former white supremacist, he began to change his beliefs. And he finally realized that he had to get out of the white supremacist movement. He had to cut off all contact with them. And so Pele asked Shabbat, do you consider yourself to be out or do you consider yourself to be in the process of getting out? And Shabbat said, oh, I'm completely out. Actually, doing this interview is the final step. And Pele asked, how so? And Shabbat said, once this airs, there's no going back. If you try to go back in... Somebody's going to kill you. Now there's a man who has his face face set towards Jerusalem. He has given up his old life completely in order to claim a new life that was free from hatred. And my friends, that kind of determination is hard to find these days. You see, we live in a 24-hour buffet of choices. And so many of our choices are are shaped by the next thing that goes viral on our social media accounts. We are bombarded with messages every day that makes us think that we might be missing out on something new and something better. So how do we discover what's most important in our lives? And once we discover that, how do we commit our lives to it? Motivational speaker Tony Robbins loves to race cars. And he says that the most important lesson that his race car instructor taught him was how to recover from a skid. And the instructor told him that what most people do when they start to skid is they focus on where they don't want to go. The wall. Instead, you need to focus on where you want to go, he said. And the reality is that whatever you focus on, you move towards. He said that the instructor even had a skid car that that was specially designed to to go into a a skid at the push of a button. And and he used this car to give his clients a real-world experience of recovering from a skid. 
And so Tony says that he was driving at a high rate of speed one day on, on the track there when his instructor suddenly pushed the skid button. And Tony went into a skid and he, and he stared at the wall looming there before him and the car began skidding towards that wall. And so the, the instructor literally grabbed Tony's head and jerked his face to look in the opposite direction. And when he did that, he began pulling the wheel in that direction, and the direction he was facing, and his car came out of the skid. Folks, don't you wish that God would sometimes just grab your head and turn your focus back to, towards God? Remember what that instruction, instructor said to Tony? You have to focus on where you want to go. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was trying to do with this passage of Scripture. He was trying to help people refocus their lives on, thi- on the things that, that really matter. And it's a fascinating story. Luke tells us that as the time was approaching for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. And, but they, the people there did not welcome them because he was headed towards Jerusalem. And so when James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? And I, and I can just kind of imagine Jesus' response to this. I just can imagine him shaking his head in disbelief. It's like... Really? All this time you've been with me and and you still don't get it? And so Luke tells us that Jesus rebuked James and John and they went on to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said, I'll follow you wherever you go. But Jesus said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. You still willing to follow? To another man, he said, follow me. And the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow looks back. And looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Look at all the players in this passage. They were all focused on their own agendas to the extent that they either misunderstood or even rejected Jesus completely. But Jesus saw the urgency of the situation. He knew that he was headed towards Jerusalem and, and soon after that he would be gone. And he was... And so he was determined to complete the work that God had given to him now. It had to be done now. And he needed these helpers to be on board now. My friends, Jesus never hid the demands of, of the kingdom from those who, who wanted to follow him. And he, and he doesn't hide it from us today either. And that's probably why he had so much prob, so much trouble Getting followers. Because you see, unlike in social media, you can't just follow Jesus by buying 500 likes for $30. Following Jesus means setting your face towards Jerusalem. No other priorities. No going back. 
So what does that kind of determination look like for Jesus followers today? Well, I believe that setting your face towards Jerusalem means wanting God's will more than you want your own will. And I know that's hard. But I think that's what Christ is calling from us. Gladys Aylward was a young housemaid in London whose life was completely changed when she heard an evangelist preach about serving God with all of your life. And from that day forward, Gladys developed a passion for international missions. She began to read everything she could put her hands on about China, and she took on extra jobs to save up money so that she could travel there. And and Gladys, you have to realize, Gladys was a small, shy, poorly educated woman. But she trusted that if God was really calling her to missions, then God would equip her and give her everything that she needed for her work. Well, by 1932, she finally saved up enough money to go to China. The safest route was to go by ship, but she couldn't afford that. And so her journey took her by train through dangerous war zones. And when she finally arrived, she began spreading the message of Christ in Yangchang. But then in 1938, when the Japanese invaded her region, Gladys led 100 Chinese orphans through the mountains to safety. She cared for those orphans all throughout the year, all, all throughout the war. And she worked at the Chinese orphanage that she founded until the day she died. Her ministry was so powerful and so effective that she was invited to speak in major churches all throughout Europe. And she even met the Queen of of England. But you know what Gladys said about her ministry? She said, I wasn't God's first choice. There was somebody else. I don't know who that was, God's first choice. I don't know what happened. Maybe he died, but maybe he wasn't willing But then God saw me. Humble Gladys didn't feel like she had an an awful lot to offer to God, but when she felt God calling her, she set her face towards Jerusalem and she was determined to go. She wanted to follow God's plan for her life more than anything else. But setting your face towards Jerusalem also means submitting to God's will fearlessly. Kenneth Bailey tells about teaching at the Lutheran Church of Latvia. And while there, he observed the interviewing of prospective students for the ministry. And the interviewers told Bailey that the most important question they, that they could ask was, when were you baptized? Why is that so important? Well, here's why. Latvia was taken over by the Soviets in 1940, and under Soviet rule, Latvia was officially an atheist country until 1991, when it regained its independence from Russia. And the interviewer said that if they were baptized during the time of the so- that the Soviets were in control, they actually risked their lives and compromised their futures by being baptized. But if they were baptized after the liberation, then we have some more questions to ask about why they want to become a pastor. 
In other words, while they lived under the communist rule, it really meant something to be baptized. There was no question about their commitment because they were putting their lives on the line just to be baptized. Setting your face towards Jerusalem means submitting to God's will fearlessly. And finally, setting your face towards Jerusalem means sharing your faith in Jesus confidently. Folks, you never, you never know the impact that your faith story, and we all have a faith story, we do. And you never know the impact that that story might have on someone else. You never know, you, you never know whose life might be changed because you were faithful and willing and unafraid to share the love of Jesus Christ with someone else. Tony Campolo is an author, evangelist, and professor in Pennsylvania, and he preaches all over the country. A few years ago, a middle-aged couple came up to Campolo and, um, and thanked him for his preaching. And then they told the story. It seems that a few years before, their daughter had been caught up in a, a life of wild rebellion, and she had be- become estranged from her parents. But then after hearing Campolo preach, this young woman gave her life to Christ. And she went back to her dorm room and she wrote them a long letter of reconciliation, wanting to be re- reconciled with, with her parents. But unfortunately, on her way back from mailing that letter, this woman was hit by a truck and killed. A few days after her death, her parents received that letter. And it spoke to them of the joy and the hope that she had found in giving her life to Christ. And I can only imagine the pain that those parents were feeling. But I can also imagine the hope and the joy that they had in knowing that that their, their daughter had made that decision to give her life to Christ. When she chose Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior... She died to her old life and she discovered eternal life through Him. And so setting your face towards Jerusalem is not easy. It's hard. It means giving up your own agenda to follow God's will. For Jesus, Jerusalem meant humiliation, death, defeat. But for you and me, Jerusalem meant reconciliation with God and eternal life. So do you believe in that love enough to set your face towards Jerusalem too? Let's think about the commitment that Christ has demonstrated to us as we partake of His Holy Supper today. And as we do that, let us ponder the commitment that we owe to God because of God's great love for us. Amen. We're going to have a time of, um, of communion now. We'd like to invite our deacons to come and take their places and uh, uh, prepare for our communion time together. Um, and as we do always, we, we practice intention here, kind of a modified way. We, we, um, we invite you to come down the middle aisle, and there will be two people on each side of the aisle, one holding uh, a tray of bread and one holding the cup.
and will ask you to take the bread and then move to the cup and dip it into the cup and then eat the bread that is filled with the juice, with the blood of Christ. And as we do this, let us remember what Christ has done for us. And let us remember the sacrifice that He has made. Now go ahead and take your places here. Before we do this, I want to... Um, yeah, we have that up there. Thank you. I want to call your attention to the, uh, um, the carving up here. Uh, this is one of the carvings that we saw yesterday as we, um, it, it, this is in a, um, a Lutheran church in Tell City, Indiana. And uh, this is a, a wood carving of, of a crucifix of Christ on the cross there. And the story behind this, he, he carved this while he was a POW in Breckenridge. Um, but it is so lifelike. And the reason it's so lifelike is that he had a life, a real live model to carve this. One of, the, one of his fellow POWs uh, put himself on the cross. They didn't nail him, but they, they hung him with, on the cross, um, strapping him to the cross. And he was hanging there, literally. At first, when they put him up there, he, he had a, a stool under his feet. But they took that away from him, the stool, so that he, he could get the, the image of him being drawn and hanging from the cross like this. And when they, hit, they did that, the person who was on the cross got the stool and put it back. I mean, uh, kicked the stool out from under his feet. They put a stool under, back under him because, because of the anguish that he was having. And he kicked it away because he wanted to have a lifelike representation of what Christ went through. If you look at this, you see the anguish in his face. If you look at the body and the position here, you see his body stretched out trying to catch his breath as his, the weight of his body puts pressure on his rib cage and on his lungs. And we don't like to see this kind of suffering. We try to put these, this kind of thing out of our minds and out of our heads, but sometimes we need to see it. So as we take communion today, let's remember Christ's commitment to us. The Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and He broke it. And He said, This is My body, which is broken for you. And in the same way, He took a cup and He said, This is the blood of the new covenant. He said, as you take this bread, as you eat this bread, as you take this cup, you remember me. You remember what I have done for you. You, have remember, you remember the sacrifice that I have made for you. The body, the blood, the bread, the wine. Let us remember what Christ has done for us. Come and partake of God's body and blood.
our closing hymn wherever he leads I'll go and hope we mean it ourselves with God. Let us remember the sacrifice of pain and love that Christ felt for us. Let us use the determination of Christ to fulfill God's plan as an example to ourselves. And let us go and set our faces towards Jerusalem with great determination to follow our Lord wherever He leads. Amen.